What do the words holy, holiness, and a holy life bring to mind? Do we envision these words of old-fashioned, dreary, unpleasant, rigid, legalistic, and judgmental? The Bible has a far different picture. When you look at the Bible, it talks about a holy lifestyle being graceful, attractive, joyful, and deeply satisfying. But holiness is definitely out of fashion. It's not popular. It doesn't seem fun at all. If it's not on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, today's world really doesn't see it as important. How does something so central to Christianity become so neglected? Have we mistreated this word? Have we mistaught this word? Hopefully today we will be refined and it will become something more. Thanks for joining us today. We're so grateful that you have joined us and you are a part of this sermon series and what God is doing. So if you're joining us live, get excited because I believe these next few weeks as we talked about refine, they will become uh, critical and important to your walk in Jesus Christ. Last, last week we talked about being refined in our, uh, in our hope to Christ and this week we're going to talk about holiness. So what is holiness? The Bible talks about this holiness as critical, but the dictionary says it's dedicated, consecrated, it's set apart for God. It also says in the dictionary that holiness is morally and spiritually excellent. Is your walk with God morally and spiritually excellent? Another one says devoted to the service of God. Are you fully devoted to the service of God. Do you wake up every morning and say, I am completely devoted to you, God. Whatever you have me do, I'll do. That's what holiness is. And in that, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of deeply satisfying moments in our walk with God when we are in these holy moments. We see holiness as something with many requirements, though. We're talking about having great knowledge, serving God, giving 100% of everything we got to God, constantly doing everything as a devotion to God. And really, when we think of holiness, it's like we have no time for work or family because I've got to be completely 100% sold out. While that may be true, I think the Bible has something different than that. And I think we need to open that up today and have that healthy conversation. We're calling that refinement having this refined moment of what holiness means. There's a guy I love, A.W. Tozer, great theologian. He's got some really deep thinking, sometimes too deep for me. But he writes this about holiness, and I want to kind of give it to you because I think it's important. It says, holiness, as taught in the scriptures, is not based upon knowledge on our part. Rather, it's based upon the resurrection of Christ indwelling us and changing us into his likeness. You know, holiness is Christ indwelling in us and the spirit moving in us. The, the concept that we have in our, heart, uh, in our mind is piety. That's this rigid, unpleasant, legalistic, judgmental walk. But holiness and holy is something different. As we dig into 1 Peter, we need to understand what Peter is trying to do for us and, and with us. He's writing to a church in Asia Minor, known as Turkey today. And Peter is calling us into a, a, a walk with God that's important. Peter was called by Jesus in Mark chapter 1. He was called to follow Jesus, to become a fisherman of men. And, G, and, and as Jesus called Peter, Peter left everything to follow him. In his book in First Peter, he calls us to many things as well. 
You'll see a little bit later in this sermon series, he's calling us out of darkness. He's calling us to suffering. He's calling us to inherit blessings. He's calling us to internal, uh, eternal glory, not internal. And he says at the end of this book that God called us before we called on him. And today we're going to see that Peter calls us to a holy lifestyle. Peter was called decades after his work in Jerusalem to a place in, uh, uh, in Rome. And that's where he wrote this letter. And he wrote it to a group of churches to tell them about God and who he was and about hope and holiness and a, a, whole, a, a whole group of other things. And he writes to them about this new relationship that we can have in Jesus Christ. And he's trying to build them up as they're going through suffering and persecution. The beautiful thing about 1 Peter, it uses a bunch of Old Testament images to help us understand what he's trying to say. And he's trying to connect people that are in this new Christianity to the Old Testament lifestyle. Judeo-Christianity is what we would call it. He's trying to connect the Old Testament to what God is doing now. And it's important because it's the same God. And we're going to see that today. So what I want to do today to get kind of right with God is I want to start with just prayer. Will you pray with me as we open up our Bible and let's see what God says and see if we can really refine this idea of holiness. Father, we claim you as our Lord. We claim you above all things and we are so grateful. And we ask right now that your Holy Spirit come to minister to us, to equip us, give us greater understanding, give us a knowledge that maybe we don't know about what holiness means. And I pray that as we read your word, and as we hear what you're doing through this time, that you will allow us to have a deeper understanding of who you are and how you work in our lives. We claim you, Lord, as our Savior. Guide us today through your Spirit. In the name above all names, Jesus, we say amen. Here's what it says. And in, in uh, 1 Peter uh, 1, verse 13, my Bible says, it says, a call to holy living. And I believe you're being called as I am to be in this holy lifestyle in Jesus Christ. And here's what it says. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. I want to take a pause for a second there and kind of talk a little bit about what's going on. The first part of this message uh, is about preparing. It's preparing. That's the idea that I want to get across. As Peter is communicating about holiness and we are trying to refine our mind to what it means, it's about preparing. Have you ever watched any of those shows or do you know anybody that's a doomsday prepper? You know, one of those persons that is getting ready for that uh, apocalyptic zombie attack where they're storing up guns and bullets and all kinds of food and water, and they've got crazy tape to kind of get away from all the radioactive stuff that's coming into their lives. And they practice week in and week out of going up to the mountains and eating horrible food and drinking water that's been stored for years. Yeah, that kind of person. We call that a doomsday prepper. And I think that's what we're talking about today. We need to prepare. Like they prepare, it seems a little crazy, but I believe for us to understand holiness and live a holy lifestyle, there's got to be preparation. When you come before God in worship and prayer in a time like this, what is your proper attitude that you take? 
Are you watching this right now and you got your phone out or your computer on, you're flipping through other things and you're really not prepared for God? Or have you been up and read your devotion? Have you prayed? Have you already worshiped? Have you done the preparatory work that it takes to get right before God? To really, I believe, live a holy lifestyle, there's got to be a lot of preparation, a lot of things that we've got to do. When we come to church, are you rushing and, and making sure you got coffee and all the other things that you need? Or are you in a place of prayer and, 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 and a place of God's glory? I know it's hard. I've got kids. But I know that God wants us to be preparers. Well, how do we do that? He kind of outlines it. Peter uh, outlines some uh, good stuff. He says, prepare your mind. How do you prepare your mind? It says action. I've always learned that I have to act myself into right thinking. I can't just think myself into right action. I've got to do the right action so that I can think correctly. So to prepare my mind, I've got to act myself into right thinking. The second thing it says is exercise self-control. Now, if you've ever been around me, you know that I could say anything. This is hard for me. But this is kind of the preparing work that we need to do to get ourselves into that holy lifestyle. It says also put your hope in Jesus Christ, the, that, the, the one that's going to be revealed to us the day that the world ends, the day that the preppers have been waiting for. Put your hope in him. And then it says, be obedient. Are you obedient? I know that's something that the church should be about, teaching obedience. And finally, it says, don't be a backslider. You know how often we get to church and we feel good and we hear a message and the music was great and everything works out. And then by Monday or Tuesday, we're kind of in that old rut, backsliding away from God. That's not what holiness is. Holiness should carry us from Sunday to Sunday. And that's what Jesus wants. Don't backslide. You know better now. And we shouldn't go backwards. You know, I was thinking this week about the Day of Atonement. There's this place in Leviticus. And I don't know how great a Bible reading Leviticus is for all you Bible thumpers, but it goes Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. And that's where the law is being given. And there's all kinds of rules and regulations. There's all kinds of laws being given and it's played out. But there's this moment and it's called the Day of Atonement, and it's in Leviticus chapter 16. And this is the moment where they go back behind the curtain, this veil, and there is the uh, Ark of the Covenant, and there there's this holy moment before God. And this Day of Atonement has a lot of preparatory steps that takes place. Now, have you ever seen all these put together? If you look at Leviticus chapter 16, you will see this uh, this Day of uh Day of Atonement kind of take place. And here's the kind of nine steps. And in each one of these steps, there's multiple things that need to be done. Now, here's a list of the things that happen in this chapter. The first one is preparation, which we're talking about. Verses one through five, you see all kinds of prep going on before they can even start the process of the Day of Atonement. There's a sin offering for the high priest. There's a sin offering for the people. There's an atone for the incense altar. There's an atone for the altar of the burnt offering. There's a scapegoat ritual with blood and all kinds of craziness. There's a washing. There's a burnt offering. There's a cleanup afterwards. At the end, after all this is done and this full day has taken place, the priest then has to take off his holy garb, set it aside, and then he has to go and, and make sure that he's cleansed as well. This is a process. And this is what it took for them to get into the holiest of holies, this sacred, beautiful, wonderful place. There was bathing and proper clothes. We kind of have it as the full armor of God today where they're putting and robing themselves in this full armor of God. 
Then he needed a goat for himself and then a goat for the congregation and then a bull for the burnt offering. And all of this had to happen outside the tabernacle because it couldn't happen in because it would desecrate the, the, the opportunity to be holy. There was an incense offering and then a sin offering, a burnt offering. There was blood that cleansed and there was this escape goat. And all of this stuff was done so that the priest wouldn't die. You know, Leviticus chapter 10, Aaron's son go in with the improper offering, not holy, and they die. What would that be like in our church if people showed up and they weren't holy and they walked in and they instantly died? Maybe that's what we need in life today because we do not revere holiness. We, do, we revere our personal life and not the holy, holy life of God. You know, there's this day called Yom Kippur. It's actually this day of atonement. It's a, it's a day to celebrate this day of atonement. And it's coming up on September 27th. And what happens for the Jewish tradition is they fast for 25, 25 hours. Sundown on the 27th to, uh, to sundown on the 28th. And maybe we should too. Maybe the church needs to. And I'm not talking about just journey. I'm talking the church. Maybe Christians in this, uh, our church should celebrate this more so we can understand holiness. It's coming up. Let's pray and see what God wants us to do. Why is it so easy for us to come before God and forget we're in a holy uh, place with him? You know, should we take off our shoes? Should we do something? When you come to church, why do we forget so instantly that we're in a holy place with God? It's easy. But I think a lot of it has to do with we need refinement. That's the beauty of this sermon series. As we open up the Bible, we need to be refined. We need to be refined in our hope and we need to be refined in this idea of holiness. We are reminded in this text that we need to be prepared. We need to be obedient. We need to be in self-control. And we need to make sure we don't backslide into our old sinful ways. Real heart change, I'm talking about real heart change, results in obedience. When you are fully sold out for Jesus Christ, you start to become more and more obedient to him and his will and his word and less and less to the things of this world. Even what your wife or husband might say or your kids or your mom and dad because God is calling us to a holy place, a holy lifestyle. Now verse 15 and 16 is this moment where uh, we are called to be holy. Here's what it says. But now you must be holy in everything you do just as God chose you is holy. Just as God who has chose you is holy. That's the first part. You are to be holy in everything you do. Verse 16 says, For the scriptures say, You must be holy because I am holy. Leviticus chapter 11 and Leviticus 19 have this same statement. And here Peter is referring back to the Old Testament and he's talking about we are called to be holy. He's trying to let people know in Asia Minor new Christians, that they are connected to the God of the universe, the same God that parted the seas, the same God that bought the plagues, the same God that's going to bring them into the, the holy land, into this land of, of milk and honey. That's the same God. And Peter's trying to remind him, you are, in this mo you are in this place and you should be holy as God is holy, just like the, the, the Israelites were. Now, this statement is logical and it's very simple, and I don't want to confuse it. I don't want to get anything uh, confusing as I say this. Children inherit the nature of their parents. That's what children do. 
If God is our father, then we should inherit the nature of who he is. If we are his children, we should also be holy as God is holy. What is the motivation for holiness for you? What would be a motivation for you to be holy? Is it fear? Is it guilt? Or is it duty? Well, the Bible says it is so that I must, I must have to do it. I don't know if that's true. These are powerful motivators to change our behavior. And sometimes they drive believers. But a lot of times, this isn't really God's way. And when we are motivated by fear, guilt, and duty, a lot of times this produces bitter fruit. Is your walk bitter? Or are you producing this beautiful fruit that God has for you? I think right now, this is a refining moment. Is your fruit bitter? Do you even have fruit? I believe that's what God is trying to get out of us, out of here in this refining sermon series. The proper motivation for the pursuing of the holy life, uh, 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 a holy life of God is gratitude. It's his amazing goodness and grace and love towards us. That should be our motivation. Having this gratitude mindset, realizing his amazing grace and goodness and his love towards us, that should be our motivating factor. That should be a reason that we live in a holy moment. The second kind of point of today's message, it's being. It's being holy. The first part is it's prepping, it's preparing. But the second part, it's being. If you don't know him, if you don't understand him, how can you imitate him? How can you be holy as he is holy? If we can't, if we don't have a relationship, there's no chance that we can really be holy as he is holy. We need to have a relationship. And one of the things that's driven my relationship was when I got into the word of God and I started to experience God more than I ever have before. There was moments that I was in church for four years and I never opened up his word. The only words that I saw were on the screen or in the pamphlet that I got. That's not an opportunity for me to have a great relationship with God. The moment that I opened up his word and I started reading, it started to kind of soak into my body and being, even if I didn't understand it. And all of a sudden, God's word started to be part of who I am. And there were holy moments existing. Listen to what Mother Teresa writes. I love this. It says this about holiness. It says, holiness does not consist in doing extraordinary things. Praise God. It consists in accepting with a smile what Jesus sends us. Taking whatever Jesus has and accepting it with a smile. And finally, it says, it consists of accepting and following the will of God. I love that. It's not about doing extraordinary things. A lot of times, the only people we think are holy are those that are going above and beyond. But that's not what she says. And this was a woman that did a lot of great work in our world. It says, accepting whatever Jesus gives you with a smile and then following God's will. That's what holiness is. That's what a holy lifestyle is. You know, as I think about the holy steps that it took in the Old Testament to get into the holiest of holies, man, that process, those nine steps and all the things that happened during that day seemed tedious, time-consuming, and it didn't seem like it was really worthwhile because only one person was receiving that holy moment and they would come out glowing and the people of Israel were in awe, but it seems kind of awkward that only one person gets to experience that with Christ. It's changed. And Peter shows some of the beauty of Jesus in the next few verses. So let's dig in. Here's verse 17. It says, 
And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. Thank God. He will judge and or reward you according to what you do. God has no favorites, and I'm thankful for that because if on the staff, I'm sure the things that I've done wouldn't make me the favorite. But it says something even more important. It says, he will judge or reward you according to what you've done. According to how you live your life, according to what you've done, you will be judged or rewarded. According to your relationship, according to uh, the preparation that you do to make sure that you're in a holy lifestyle. According to how you live your life, being holy is how you're going to be measured. How you give, how you serve, how you love, how you follow his will. That's really what it takes to really be holy. It's about being. It's about waking up one day, maybe today or maybe Monday, and just say, today I'm going to do my best to be as holy as I possibly can. And how you do that? You ask God, you ask Christ, and you ask the Holy Spirit to be with you and walk with you through that day. And if it works, try it again. Here's, it continues, it says, so you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as temporary residence. This fear is not a scary fear. It's not, you know, a, a Halloween type of moment or a scary movement. This is a fear of excitement, awe-inspiring, seeing something that you've never seen for the first time and your breath is taken away. It's that kind of fear. And it says that you're to have this mindset because you were only on this earth temporarily. Verse 18 says, for you know that God has paid a ransom to save you from this empty life that you've inherited from your ancestors. The life you have, the life I have, the life everybody on this earth has is what we call an empty life, a sin-natured life. And it, that life is craving that holy relationship with Christ. That's what solves that empty life. I love what it says. It says, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. Last week, we talked about that refining moment of gold and how it kind of needs to be burned away to, to get to the purity that we need. It says, it was pray, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. That's what paid your price, your ransom. That's what makes you holy and right with God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. You realize God is revealing to you right now for your sake that Jesus is the one and perfect offering for you and I. He's the, the, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. This is what they needed in Leviticus. They were using animals and the blood sacrifices from the animals to get right with God, but it wasn't enough and it was only happening once a year. But now, because of what Christ did on the cross, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, He in Jesus Christ has fixed us and made us right. And the finishing work of Christ now becomes the blessing of all who believe. Verse 21, through Christ you have come to trust God. Through Christ, our job is to learn to trust God. It's part of the reward we heard last week. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. 
One of the reasons that Christ becomes so attractive is that we trust him, but also what God has done in him. He raised Christ from the dead. No one else has ever experienced that. And because of that, Jesus is glorified and we are part of that beautiful glory. Verse 22, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. Because of what Christ has done and because of this holy thing that can happen within us when he dwells inside of us and the Holy Spirit activates the beauty of God within us, we are then to love our brothers and sisters. Love is a big part of that holy movement going on. Love each other deep, uh, deeply with all of your heart. I think a lot of times we don't have these holy moments or this refinement of the holiness in our life is because we really don't love. Romans says, don't love, don't really pretend to love, really love. Quit pretending. I think that this text is saying that holiness is, is about unifying. It's about being unified. I don't know about you, but I was thinking about it the last couple of weeks. When's the most holiest I've been? And you know what? The only time I could think about was really last Sunday when we gathered together, when a group of us were coming to this wet grass and there was a few speakers and, a, and, and 50 or 75 or 100 people showed up and we were all together focused on one thing, singing songs, praying, opening up the word of God, having fellowship with one another. I believe unification with other believers, brothers and sisters, is a big part of being holy. And that's one of the reasons why church is critical, because we come together, unified, celebrating, growing, and experiencing more than we ever could on our own. Verse 23 says this, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. I love the rhythm there. Your life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And that brings us to the, the, the next point. It's about being eternal. It's about preparing. It's about being. And it's eternal. This is the living word of God and it's eternal. I, I've read Peter several times and each time I read it, even now, things are jumping off the page. It's eternal. We are to be eternal. How do we do that? Well, I've got to get out of myself and I've got to get into God's word so that my head gets off of the worldly things and into the godly things. This lifestyle and mindset is critical. It's critical. I'm focused on the world, but God wants me to focus in the heavens and on the eternal things. And Christ is everything to us. He is our high priest. He is our spotless lamb. He is the sin offering, but he's also our resurrection and he is our life. In him, we can be holy. In him, we can find the glory of God. In him dwelling within us, that's what makes us holy. Verse 24 says this, as the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like flower, a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of the Lord remains forever. This word is alive, it's eternal, and it remains forever. And then the last part says, and the word is the good news that was preached to you. 
And so now Peter is kind of bringing all these people in Asia Minor, what we now know as Turkey. And he's saying, listen, I know you're persecuted. I know you're suffering. I know things aren't right. But God is eternal. And his word that was preached to you is alive. And if you cling to it, you will have this holy lifestyle. The same holy lifestyle that you see in Moses and and David and Abraham can be the same holy lifestyle you can live. And it's even better today because we have Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help us. Here's one of the kind of summed up points. As we draw near to God, we become more holy. As we walk away from God, we become more worldly. That's why church this week was so powerful because I was drawing near. I was walking together with a bunch of friends and family and we were drawing near to God by singing and praising and celebrating this Sunday morning like we used to. But it's easy to walk away and get into the toppers line. And the funny thing is, I actually did go to toppers after church. And it was football Sunday, and there was all kinds of sports going on, and it's easy to kind of walk away from God and into the world, and our job is to kind of stop that and draw ourselves back in to this holy moment, into this holy relationship with God. Now, to kind of close this message, we need to go to the start of uh, Peter chapter 2 to kind of help us close this part up, and so here's what it says. Go to the next chapter, and here's what it says. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done, done with deceit. Be done with all hypocrisy. Be done with jealousy. Be done with all kind of evil speech. I added those words in. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. And now that you, uh, cry out for nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. The last part of this message is be done. Be done, get rid of. Be done with all the the evil things in our life, the hypocrisy, the jealousy, the unkind speech. Be done with all deceit. Get rid of it because it's not helping your life become more holy. If anything, it's holding you back. Cry out because you've now tasted the glory and the beauty of who Christ is. It says cry out so that your salvation experience can grow. I love that verse because my salvation is alive. It's not dead once I accepted him and checked a box on a prayer card. It's actually alive more than ever. And it's alive because it's the holiness of God that keeps it alive. And the Holy Spirit moves around within us as we read his word. And it tells us and and gives us things to do for the glory of God. The final part is it's being done. It's it's saying I'm done with this old life and I'm going to live in this new life. Why does God place such a strong emphasis on his children pursuing holiness? Why is that critical at all? The answer is simple. God's ultimate purpose is to restore his image into the lives of his children. He's trying to restore his image within your life. And it's conformed, and that life is to be conformed in the image of his son. The only way that he can restore his image into your life is allowing you or pushing you into this place of conforming to the image of the likeness of his son. That's really the goal of holiness. It's not about being legalistic and 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 um, judgmental, dreary and old-fashioned. It's really drawing closer to Christ. There's a point in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul is trying to equip the, sta- uh, the saints about 
this concept of holiness. And it kind of works well with Peter as we close. Ephesians 4, verse 22 to 24 says, Throw off your old sin nature and your old formal way of life. Throw it off. Be done with it. Get rid of it, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, and here it comes, it says, Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. That's what we're working on. Prepare your mind. Be the holy that be the holiness that you're supposed to. Put on this new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I've got to get rid of this stuff. I've got to be done with it. I've got to cry out for this new nourishment. I've got to put on this new nature so that I can be righteous and holy with God. Right now, it's time for us to be done with that old and really about being right and holy with God. As you and I pursue the holiness and become more Christ-like, this brings glory to God in this present world, and it prepares us to live with Him in this world until He comes back. He is calling us. He, we are destined to be in this relationship with Him, with Him, and God will settle for nothing less. God will settle for nothing less. He's calling you. This is destined for you, and our job is to live in this holiness. Let me kind of put back these four points. A refined life of holiness, it's about being prepared. Action, self-control, obedience. Being obedient, that helps us. The second thing, it's about being. It's about waking up and making a decision. Today I'm going to be more Christ-like. You don't have to listen to another sermon to be Christ-like. You can just make it happen. It's not about thinking, talking, or doing it. It's about being it. It's also about eternal, eternal focus, thinking about eternal things. The eternal focus of this uh, of this world uh, is in Christ Jesus alone. When I only put the world in my life, I'm going to miss out and I'm going to have a mindset split between God and this world. And I, I hope that makes sense. And finally, it's about being done, getting rid of it, crying out for this nourishment and really experiencing God for who he really is. Throw off that old stuff and experience the newness that Christ has. Experience the glory and the holiness. God will settle for nothing less. He's chasing after you. And he wants you and me and all of us to be more holy. So whatever's holding you back, I ask during this prayer that you ask God yourself. And let's be done with that and live a more holy life. Let's just get right with God and pray and I also want to think if you're watching this and you don't know God and you don't understand holiness, you don't understand Christ and the sin offering and all that's happened, I ask if God is tugging your heart, say a prayer, reach out to us and let us help you grow in this salvation and you will experience more than I promised you than you've ever experienced with God. So let's pray. Father, we claim you as Lord and Savior. Father, we love you and we praise you and we know that you're working right now. And I pray right now, the holiness through your Son and, and through the Holy Spirit is moving deep within us. That we are starting to see the eternal blessing that you are in us and through us. And I pray right now you teach us how to be holy as you are holy. Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know God, and I pray right now, someone that's watching, maybe they just clicked onto the message and they're hearing this, Lord, tug on their heart. And have them repeat after me, confessing with their mouth, but believing in their heart. 
that you are Lord. If they say that prayer, they become part of your plan. And all they have to do is repeat after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross so that I may be washed clean of sin. But you resurrected three days later so that I may live eternally with you. Lord, bring your Holy Spirit upon me and teach me how to live a holy life with you. We love you and praise you for who you are. In the name above all names, Jesus Christ, and we say amen, amen, and amen.